Hello, fellow geeks, and welcome back to Raving Geeks, the weekly pop culture podcast where we talk about all things geeky and geek culture, which is like high culture, but better. We are back from our summer hiatus and our search for our new co-host, who will introduce himself in a second. And we're so happy to be starting season seven with all of you. If you're just joining us for the first time, my name is Hope Goodrell, host of Raving Geeks podcast, along with my new co-host. And if you like this episode, you can check out our other episodes at cm-life.com and any other place you find podcasts like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. Just search Central Michigan Life Podcasts, Raving Geeks. So we're going to do our introduction a little bit differently than we've done in past, just because we do need to fully introduce our new co-host of the Raving Geeks podcast. So I'm going to ask you to say a few things about yourself, um, and then I'll go and do a quick reintroduction of myself, and then we'll move on to our question of the week, okay? Okay. So what you need to answer is your name preferred pronouns, your major, minor, um, and what makes you a geek? Okay. Uh, my name is Carter Selly. My pronouns are he, him. My, my major is an English major with a minor in communications. And what makes me a geek is that I love anything pop culture. I love video games, TV, movies. I love to write and read. I love to just discuss anything pop culture related, whether it's music, um, TV, video games. I love it all. And I just wanted to thank CMU Life and specifically Mike and Hope for letting me on. This is a true privilege, and I can't wait to start out this podcast with you guys. I am very excited to have you. And for those of you who have been with us since uh, season two, and even after, um, this is going to be new, and I'm excited for new conversations that Carter and I are going to have together on our podcast. We might have a third co-host eventually, or Mike might join on with us, um, but a quick reintroduction to myself. Um, I love the John Green quote that is, uh, it's, he uses the word nerds, but I always find that nerd is usually synonymous with geek. Um, so his quote is, nerds like us are allowed to be unironically enthusiastic about stuff. Nerds are allowed to stuff, love stuff, like jump up and down in the chair, can't control it, love it. When people call other people nerds, mostly what they're saying is you like stuff, which is not a good insult at all. Like you are too enthusiastic about the miracle of human consciousness. So I'm very much like Carter. I love pop culture, current pop culture, old pop culture. Um, and I love a lot of different things. If you know me personally, Harry Potter is my biggest thing, but like Marvel and a little bit of DC, not as much, but yeah. So our question of the week this week is what was the last major geeky thing, geeky thing you did or you were able to fully geek out on hmm you know that uh there are so many things that I have done and well I guess the most most recent is uh I recently attended Iron Maiden uh in Detroit in Little Caesars Arena 
for their Legacy of the Beast concert. And man, it was it was such a blast. Um, it's a little history with me and Iron Maiden. My dad introduced me to this band uh, right around my teenage years. So that's when I was getting into my taste of music, like heavy metal, rock. Um, and I just, I love everything about that. But Iron Maiden specifically, there is, uh, it, it represents a special connection with me and my dad. And uh, when I graduated high school, my dad offered me, what's the one thing that you could do directly after high school? And Iron Maiden was touring around that time. And I said, I wanted to go see Iron Maiden. So my dad and I hopped in a rental truck and we drove halfway across the country to South Carolina, I think. And we went and saw them live. And uh, that's a memory I won't ever forget. And we recently just got my younger brother, Reese, into Iron Maiden. And he's in, he's been in love with them for about two years. He he has a whole wall in his room just filled with Iron Maiden flags of all the albums. And we offered him to go to the concert with us because this has been a long time since Iron Maiden came to Detroit. I don't remember when they last came, but it's been a while. And he wanted to go and we had an absolute blast. Um, Iron Maiden just released their newest album, Jitsu. And they played a couple of songs off of that album. And all I can say is that they, even in like their late 60s, they absolutely knocked it out of the park. And wow, just, I am absolutely mind blown and they still got it. Nice. That's awesome. Um, I will say my recent geeky thing was, um, I got to go to the Renaissance Festival in Holly, Michigan. Oh, yeah. I've never done it before. I got a costume um off amazon and um i got like little elf ear cuffs they were just like metal not like the ones that give the full pointy ear mm -hmm. um but it was also a chance that i got to have with my cousin although she met some friends she lives out in colorado and she met some friends um that live here in michigan and they went off but um my sister and I were able to go around like at our own pace and it was a lot of fun. Um, and I'll say that the one thing that like, I wished I could have gotten like a business card for was the little like booth slash store thing that you could go into. Mm -hmm. And um, they were like, do we have your family last name? And you could find like your family crest and everything. Oh, that's um, super cool. <laughs> yeah. And I found out that on one side of my family, on my mom's side of the family, grandmother's side, um, is one line I am related to royalty. Really? And, yeah, I don't know which ones, but like because there are there's a crown on our crest, mm -hmm. it means that we're related to royalty. Wow. And then same way on the family tree, my mom's side, on my grandmother's side. Um is but a different line is um our family was really good friends with royals mm -hmm. because um we have a latin phrase or like latin saying on our family crest mm -hmm. and you could only get that if you are really good friends with the royal family do you know what it says i don't and like we couldn't take pictures but like, that's my one thing that I'm like, I wish there was a card that I could have grabbed to be like later on, let's go revisit this. Yeah. But I also found out with that one, 
that the third son of the family had to join the church because there are three crosses on that crest. So really, yeah. So I'm super cool. It's awesome, and I wouldn't mind going back, but also like there's a lot of people that go to Renaissance Festival. Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily get to like enjoy everything at your own pace. But like it was really cool for the first time. And if I went again, I I'd know what I was doing this time. So yeah. Yeah, I I've, I've been to Ren Fair a couple of times. Um back in high school. My some of my high school friends used to be obsessed with it. And I do miss not going to it. Uh I last time I went was probably like in 2019, something okay. like that. On the same time I graduated, actually. Yeah. Um, I was gonna go this year with a friend, but she couldn't make it. So ended up not going, which kind of sucks. But I hope to go next year. Yeah, I I very definitely say go again because honestly, if you've never been, um expect lots of dust slash dirt everywhere. Um because it is on a fairground, old fairground. Um, And expect lots of people, Mm -hmm. expect lots of costumes, lots of cleavage. That was one thing that my mom and my aunt, um, my one aunt, like couldn't really get past. They were just like, wow, that's a lot. And I'm like, corset, of course there's gonna be a lot. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I highly suggest that if you really like like the old timey stuff, especially like jousting and sword fighting, definitely go to Renaissance Festival. Okay. All right. So now is our segment of the podcast where we get into some geek news, um, what we've seen, what we are trying to catch y'all up on. Um, so Carter, is there any geek news that you have found? Um, yes, actually. Recently, I think it was about a, a week ago, uh, Deadpool 3 officially got announced for Marvel and that Hugh Jackman is joining Ryan Reynolds as Wolverine. They they got him back. The, they did it. The crazy SOBs did it. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. And now, Robert, I don't know if you've seen, but Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans are both like, okay, if this character can come back from the dead, what about our character? And I'm like, right. I see Chris Evans coming back. I would say RDJ would come back if he needed extra cash because the movies he's been in recently have not been not been great. And I can see he's probably missing that Disney money. So, well, I, I do he, hope he comes back, obviously. But yeah, I think if anything, first. like if they do anything more with Morgan, that they should like if she becomes a hero of any sort that like he I, would come back. But I really want them to, but I think they're heading in the direction with Ironheart and since she's being introduced in Black Panther, which I think is kind of a shame. And I kind of wish the time skip was a little bit longer so that um, Morgan could be a little bit older and they could continue her story. But, you know, I get it. Um, They had to make it logical so they didn't have to go into the future too far. But uh, that, w- that would be my only complaint. But hey, if Chris Evans comes back, that's, you know, I- I'm all there. I mean, I'd be, I will say, like, I don't want him to take over Sam Wilson's, like, Captain America era. Right. Uh, Anthony Mackey's. But if he did, I think it would be interesting to see, especially because with Multiverse of Madness, um, the different universes, like, maybe somehow. Bucky and Sam end up 
in a universe where Chris Evans is still Captain America. Steve that'll Rogers. Probably, that'll probably happen in Secret Wars Avengers. I think I think everybody's going to be separated by the end of Kang Dynasty and they're all going to have to like culminate in one universe. But we'll see what happens, you know. I heard I heard it's not going to be the exact one from the comic, not the 1980s one or the 2015 one. But I'm interested to see what they do and I'm excited for uh Kang to come in because he's been hyped up a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um but other Marvel news, actually there's been a lot of a lot of Marvel news recently. Um Werewolf by Night just came out. That was that was amazing. It was Marvel's Halloween special. And it's about a man named Jack Russell, and he's secretly a werewolf, and he partakes in a monster hunting activity only to find out that his friend is the monster that they're hunting, and he has to save them. And I I grew up, uh, and okay, so like in high school, I really got into like the old, old Marvel comic stuff, and that was about around my uprising for horror and my my strong passion for horror movies. And I found out that Marvel back in like the 1960s and 70s um the universal monsters like frankenstein and the wolfman were kind of fair game at that point so they introduced like werewolf by night which was their werewolf and i i I have all i have a lot of his old comics about five issues um working on collecting them but they are expensive so every time i go to comic-con i always look for a werewolf by night comic because those things they're they're pretty damn rare but Mm -hmm. That the the Halloween special, uh, I have no words. I I am beyond happy with what they did with it. I was nervous. Um, I didn't know which one they're going to adapt. If it was going to be Jack Russell, the American one, or the Native American one that was, I think it was a 2016 run. But it surprisingly merged both of the characters together into one, and it was it was pretty seamless. And I was very happy with it. And the fact that 90% of the special effects were practical, like an old Universal movie, was it was beyond amazing. I have no words but positivity for that special. I I would absolutely I would review it on my Instagram, but it's not technically a movie. But to anyone who's listening, go watch it. It's it's more than worth your time. I would also like to point out the slight irony of Jack Russell hunting werewolves. Yes. Because Jack Russell Terriers have their origin in fox hunting in England. So I there's a slight irony with that. That is that is ironic. I didn't I didn't ever consider that. And then uh one more piece of Marvel news. Um Armor Wars. Everybody was curious about D23 and Comic-Con. We didn't get any announcements for that. Well, it's because they were completely rewriting the script for it to become a movie instead of a Disney Plus series, which I am more than elated for. War Machine has definitely, he is overdue for a movie, and I'm ste- I'm, I'm extremely excited that he's stepping into the spotlight. And I know people, some people don't want it, but I really do hope he becomes the next Iron Man, because they teased it all the way back in Iron Man 2, that he would be next in line. And I hope they don't make Ironheart Iron Man. Not, but... I think War Machine just deserves it more. He's been there longer. He's 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 Tony's best friend. He's more than worthy of the mantle. And yeah. it's happened in the comic books before. He uh, Tony died for a while. I think it was during Demon in a Bottle or the actual Armor Wars comic. And I, Brody took over as Iron Man for a little while. And I really I would really enjoy that take if they if they did that. 
Nice. Mm -hmm. But that's all the news that I have. Yeah. Uh, Well, my geek news, um, I'll start off with, I was like, do I have Marvel? Yes, I have one Marvel. Um, But it's not like full news, but it's Oscar Isaac at New York Comic Con um, teasing Moon Knight's return. Uh, So his response to a question about a possible season two was, are you looking at a season two? All I can say is it's not the last we've heard of the system that is Moon Knight. So either season two or in some future film or other show, um, I am excited to see Jake Lockley come in. Yes. Uh, more fully absolutely. than just like that little bit at the end. Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. Uh, if I could have yeah. a take on that news. Um, I don't, I, uh, now I loved Moon Knight. I think it is the second best Marvel Disney Plus show behind Loki. Mm-hmm. Loki being my favorite. Um, Moon Knight was fantastic. I don't think it'll get a season two, but due to Werewolf by Night coming out, and no spoilers, obviously, but they introduced three Midnight Suns members in that movie. And the Midnight Suns are basically the Marvel Avengers that fight werewolves, zombies, ghosts, demons. Uh, they take on Mephesto a couple of times, which is basically Marvel's version of Satan. Um, I think they're going to be setting up Midnight Suns here in a little while because we have Blade coming out, I think, in 2024 yes. now because it got delayed recently. Um and he's usually the leader. You know, we already have Doctor Strange mm-hmm. and um, Moon Knight's on that team, a whole bunch. So uh, crossing my fingers that that means we're getting Midnight Suns because that is my yeah. dream Marvel project. Yeah, I think Kevin Feige is really good at his job and probably at some point will adapt all of the characters from the comics. Mm-hmm. But I think he's trying to like figure out how to do it systematically and in a way that they'll all fit together. Right, right. My other news is about an Agatha Christie mystery becoming oh. a movie through 20th Century Studios. Um, her uh, Haunting in Venice um, is going to be a movie with um, Kenneth Branagh. Uh, coming back as Detective Hercule Poirot. I'm not I think that's sure. how you say it. I don't know. His I could never pronounce that name either. <laughs> um, but it's also Jamie Dornan, Tina Fey, Michelle Yeoh, Jude Hill, Kelly Riley, along with Emma Lard, Kyle Allen, uh, Camille Cotton, Ali Can. Khan and Ricardo Sacamario um, are all in the cast and I just like put my brain finally read Kyle Allen's name and I'm super excited um, because I've seen him in some things recently and he's he's a really good actor yeah and then finally well finally in terms of like geek news that's not about us geeks because I have one more after that Mm -hmm. um so the day that we were recording this is the 10th of October, Monday, tomorrow, Tuesday, the 11th is when the prequel to Supernatural, the Winchesters, comes out. Um, oh, really? Yeah. 
And so I'm super excited for that. But also at, I don't remember which Comic Con or like what, I think it was New York Comic Con. Um, they, during their panel, they announced uh, who is going to be playing Samuel Campbell, who is Sam and Dean's grandfather or Mary Winchester. Yes, Mary's father um, is going to be Tom Welling. Really? Oh, yeah. that's so good. I, you know, I, I love him as Superman. You know, yes. Smallville's a very underrated series. I'm glad he's getting more stuff to do. He's very well, underrated. And like some of you, so if you haven't seen Smallville, he is um, Clark Kent uh, slash Superman in that series. He was also in the Cheaper by the Dozens movies mm -hmm. as the oldest son, uh, the second oldest of the family. He was recently in Lucifer as Kane. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think there was something else that he was just in. Uh, I don't fully remember, but he did. Um, if you were watching whichever crossover it was with like Lex Luthor, the DC shows and Lex Luthor going and trying to eradicate all the Superman, he was in one of those episodes when... Hmm. Lex went to Smallville to try and get rid of his, his um, Superman. So the final bit of geek news that I have is about uh, me personally. I just was told today um, during one of my classes, actually, that I am going to be having another one of my poems published. Wow. Um, and Congratulations. That's yeah, amazing. I'm, I'm super excited for that. Um, this will be my second poem published. Uh, the last one was in the Central Review, the spring edition in 2019, I think. Um, but yeah, so I'm super excited. And this is an off-campus publishing. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm going with that. Mm -hmm. So our, to yeah. our topic for this week, uh, we're doing a little bit of a throwback. I know in uh, other podcast episodes of Raving Geeks, we've tried to stay more current, but I think that we need a little bit of throwback for the seventh season, especially with a new host. Um, and, you know, as we get nostalgic for different things, we're going to do a throwback to the 90s. So our pop culture in the 90s, there's a lot of iconic movies, films, uh, boy bands in particular became a huge thing in the 90s. Um, so Carter, what I'm going to ask you is, what is your favorite thing from the 90s? Yeah, that's a good question because, um, our, I, okay, so in my family, we didn't usually watch a whole bunch of the modern stuff. Like we go to a a movie or two during the years but what we really strived off was like the old stuff like stuff from the 80s and the 90s um but my favorite tv show from the 90s is actually a little show called tales from the crypt uh it's october season and i thought why this is like this this is the perfect time to talk about this show so tales from the crypt it's called it's from an it's from 1991, I think is when it's, no, sorry, 1990s when it started. And it premiered on HBO Max and it was an anthology horror series, anthology meaning 
Uh, each episode was different and carried its own story. And it was hosted by the Crypt Keeper, who was a famous, famous host, TV host. And right up there with horror icons like Elvira and Vincent Price. And the Crypt Keeper would introduce each story uh, of the week. And actually, this show was based off of an old, old 1950s comic book called Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror, and um, Vault of Horror, uh, Haunt of Fear. And these three comic books, uh, I collect them all. Um, they're being re-released because people are starting to realize that EC comic books, those people who published Tales from the Crypt, it was a huge impact on certain comic book companies like Dark Horse, Marvel, DC. They all had an impact. They really didn't start at all. They were the first major mass selling magazine at that time period. And uh, I wanted to talk about two specific episodes. Um, the first one being Creep Course, uh, starring Jeffrey Jones, Anthony Michael Hall, and Mina Simokzo. I think that's how you say her name. But Jeffrey Jones was the principal in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and Anthony Michael Hall was from such John Hughes films as Weird Science, Breakfast Club, so on and so forth. And I like to call this episode uh, the John Hughes movie that he never wrote because it has a bunch of John Hughes alumni in it. And it's basically if John Hughes decided to write a horror movie. Uh, I have the IMDb description up right now. Basically, it's summarized as a bookworm is tricked by a jock and her devious uh, elliptology professor to be a virgin sacrifice to an ancient mummy living in the professor's basement. Um, most of these stories are very basic bare bones. There's nothing too complicated about them. But in the tradition of Tales from the Crypt, there's always a big surprise at the end, a big shocking twist. And um, uh, it's really interesting to see this episode and see how it aged because Anthony Michael Hall looks very different than how he is now. Uh, if you saw Halloween Kills, he actually appeared in that movie. Um, as one of the townsfolk. And if you looked at him now and looked at him back then, you could never tell if it was the same person. But uh, this episode is very special to me. Uh, I grew up on all the John Hughes movies, thanks to my mom and dad. And when I first saw this episode, uh, it's one of the things that really wanted me to write. It really inspired me to make my own stories. And um, the achievement in in the effects in this episode is so it's so simple how they did the mummy it's basically just really good makeup and some toilet paper and it's the best mummy i've seen put on screen ever it's better than universal's mummy it's better than any mummy i've seen in the movies and this was on a very small budget on small tv screen and i i have nothing but praise for this episode um where you can watch Tales from the Crypt, it's kind of tricky. You can order the box set off of Amazon for like $90, but if you, I don't condone this, but if you really want to watch them, you could probably weasel your way onto YouTube and find them for free. Um, but the other episode I wanted to talk about was House of Horror, starring Kevin Dillon, Will Wheaton, and Meredith Selvin, uh, Selinger. Now, Kevin Dillon is from a very popular TV show in our modern day age called Entourage. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's just about famous person and his groupie just going around Hollywood having a fun time while they're trying to get his best friend uh, a couple of jobs so they can stay afloat. 
And Kevin Dillon is this, uh, he's this stereotyped actor that played like the jackass, the asshole, the mean person on the street who likes to bully the small people. And um, Will Wheaton, obviously, and it's known for Big Bang Theory and Star Trek, big, big alumni for film and TV. And this was one of his earlier roles. This is when I think he was in his early 20s. Um, but he's he's absolutely great in this episode. I really enjoy him. And Meredith Sullinger plays the main um, girlfriend. Um, so basically, I'll pull up the IMDb um, description. And it goes, three pledges from a fraternity on pro prohibition run a, spot, a soft-spoken leader. And his two sidekicks are visited by a beautiful young sorority gal who's looking for a frat to pledge their own sorority to. Um, and they end up tagging along with the pledges to an abandoned house where an urban legend murder took place years before. Led by an anxious pledge master and the trio of pledges must enter the house and patch each test that is given to them. Question is, which one will survive? Um, so this episode is very special to me. Um, it was also my, it was actually one of my gateway uh, episodes into horror. And um, truly the first thing I got into horror with was Scooby-Doo and then it grew into Goosebumps. And I think I was around the age of 13 and 14 and me and my best friend at the time from middle school, uh, we were sitting in my basement. It was like 1 a.m. Um, I had like this, my dad set up this really cool setup in our basement uh, because he wasn't using it. So we had big, large 58-inch screen TV down there. And me and my friend were kind of like, you know, I w we're kind of bored of Goosebumps. Um, let's look under YouTube and see what we can find. And lo and behold, we saw the title Tales from the Crypt. And we were like, wow, this, this looks good. This looks like something that we would like. We pressed play and we had no idea what we were getting into. Um, this was like the first, one of the first things I really delved into adult horror. And all the blood, the sex, the gratuity, and the violence, um, it really left an impact on me. And uh, it really opened my eyes to see what film could truly be. How gory it could get, how creative, how scary, how sexy. Specifically Meredith, because she is stunning in this episode. And she's played up like a love interest, but she is no damsel in distress because... Um, I won't spoil the twist, obviously, because I think you guys should watch these episodes, but she is no damsel in distress. She is something way, way more than that. Uh, the effects in this episode are, uh, they're slimmer than creep course, not as impressive, but there's a severed arm that gets thrown out of a window and, you know, that, that, that shook me to my core. That looked real. Um, so I have absolute praise for the makeup effects on this show. Um, it's one of my favorite episodes, and I, I highly suggest you guys watch Tales from the Crypt. It's one of the best things put on TV, in my opinion. So I, before I say my favorite 90s thing, which honestly, I have an entire list of 90s, because <laughs> that's basically like my entire childhood, uh, even though I was born in 1997. The 90s are awesome. Um, so my quick tangent is I did not realize that A Nightmare Before Christmas was put out in 1993. Really? Yeah. Later. Wow. Me too. 
I don't know if like it they re um released it or anything but like when I saw that it was released in 1993 I was like um this movie is a lot older than I thought it was Hmm. so I thought like late 2000s close to 2010 was when it was released but yeah um but I will stay on the mummy portion of what you were talking about with tales of the crypt Mm -hmm. um because the mummy with Brendan Fraser just snuck in um in 1999 and I honestly love those movies and I did not appreciate Brendan Fraser and his acting when I was younger as much as I should have I have a greater appreciation for his acting now and I absolutely love the movie the mummy movies I will say though that my third is the favorite is my favorite so far Hmm. um that's interesting because that's usually the black sheep of the trilogy you know that's the one that people enjoy the least i enjoy the third one but i do love that first one it feels like brendan fraser was like the 90s version of harrison ford you know i've never thought about that but yeah totally. jones kind kind of vibe you know yeah his costume is similar that's true this Mm -hmm. is very true yeah but i think there was like some extra history with it that like made me love the third one a little bit more because it just tied in a bunch of things mm-hmm. um but I will also say another quick tangent is that the OG free guy so the movie free guy with Ryan Reynolds mm-hmm. is the Truman show which was in 1998 yeah that's absolutely true like all they did when they wrote free guy was watch the Truman show and said let's make it into a video game instead of a tv show although i do agree with you on that i do think free guys a lot more upbeat um that's true uh, i personally do not like the truman show i think it is a very depressing movie and i I never got that dark comedy part of it i i saw that movie a bunch of times because my brother studied it for one of his classes in high school and i'm like this is just not not that funny of a movie in my opinion like I can I can see where the dark comedy is and like trust me I love dark comedy yeah I don't know it's just like I think it it got a little too real for me that's fair especially Mm -hmm. in the world we live in today where like how many um what are they called um Kardashians Real Housewives I can't remember what that genre is called but oh um they're usually on the channel HGTV but sometimes yeah yeah but um but going back I like so my list like I said I made a list um Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio in it came out in 1996 and I remember um watching that my freshman year of high school back in 2011 after we read Romeo and Juliet and I think my favorite thing about that movie besides young Leonardo DiCaprio um, is the fact that they are set in, at the time, modern day Verona, mm-hmm. but they're still using all of the dialogue from the original Romeo and Juliet. Right. Um, which is hilarious. And then my friends and I, for our project for that, uh, we made like a talk show and basically like, 
one person really hated Leonardo DiCaprio. The rest of us were like, listen, no, he's hot. Forgive him for terrible acting. <laughs> I, uh, I will say, um, I'm about to have a real controversial opinion, but I absolutely despise that movie. I think it is an insult on the original play, and I, uh, I, I don't like the acting from anybody. I agree that Leonardo DiCaprio is very attractive in that movie, but yeah, I didn't think anybody's acting was good, and I didn't like the directing. I didn't like the story. I didn't like the modernization of it. I just, and I watched that movie twice for class. So okay. I was not a happy camper back then. That's but good. yeah, um, that's just my opinion. My other notable ones from the 90s Robin Hood, Men in Tights, mm -hmm. um, Bad Boys, the first one came out in 1995, Halloween Town. Mm -hmm. Hocus Pocus, which if you guys are watching on YouTube, um, I'm here with the Sanderson sisters. I think they are from the Hocus Pocus 2 versus Hocus Pocus 1. Um, but, you know, Hocus Pocus is Hocus Pocus and the Sanderson sisters are amazing. Mm -hmm. um, the first Men in Black movie came out in 1997. And I am older than that movie by six months. <laughs> now you're speaking my language with that movie because me and my brother used to love watching those movies and we went to go see the third one in theaters it was always a memory i won't forget i love those movies uh the second one's okay but one in three three is actually my favorite um because of how emotional that time travel story and how they made time travel work in that movie was genius well is that the one where we see will's father not Will's yeah. father, but like um, his character. Yeah. Yeah. And we okay. see Kay go back in time. Yeah. Kay's killed in the future and they go back to the past and Josh Brolin's playing Kay. Like perfect yeah. casting, casting Josh Brolin as Tommy Lee's stand in. Like, oh my gosh, that was so good. Um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I just, you said that and I was like, yeah, he's in that movie. And then you said, you know, Tommy Lee Jones character. And I was like, oh my gosh, it is Josh Brolin. Like my brain finally just was like, let's have all the wires connect. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I love, 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 love those movies. They are, they are definitely an achievement. Um, and then also, I don't remember if Quest for Camelot was a animated musical or not, but as far as musicals go, um, Mulan in mm -hmm. 1998, the original Newsies came out with, I think it's Kevin Bacon, um, which the movie came out before the musical. The musical was adapted from the movie to stage. And then uh, they had Jeremy Jordan do it. They had the Jeremy Jordan version mm -hmm. in the 2010s. I don't remember when exactly. Um, and then of course my favorite musical um, that confused my last roommate and I have a quote from her for what um, she said is but is the Rodgers and Hammerstein uh, Cinderella oh. from 1997 which I am also older than that one by no 10 months <laughs> awesome <laughs> um, but my old roommate um she said because I showed it to her because my favorite part of that movie is that a black woman and a white guy 
have an Asian baby. Mm-hmm. That is the prince. Um, yeah. I was like, thank you, casting, for like getting the people you thought fit the characters well. But like, did you not think about this? Um, so she says, yeah, genetics. Like, how, <laughs> um, my roommate said, I feel like if Whoopi Goldberg was an actual queen, that is exactly how she would act. Really cool, completely different than what I would think, but really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or no, that's really cool was what she said about the movie in general. Um, but yeah, like. <laughs> yes, uh, I already do. I used to be in choir back in middle school and uh, as like a free fun day, we watched that movie in class. And I remember vividly that movie and just being kind of confused by it, but I can respect it now and what an achievement it was back then. Oh yeah. Having like three iconic black women of the time having such huge roles. I mean, the queen wasn't huge, but it's Whoopi Goldberg. So of course the queen's going to be iconic. And um, I, while I don't love that version, uh, I do respect it immensely for yeah. what it. But um, so going back to my original question, what is like my favorite thing from the '90s? Um, the movie Hook with Robin Williams from 1991. Uh, I absolutely love the sale of Peter Pan, um, and I love what they did with the movie of like hey, what happens when Peter grows up and, like, forgets about his time in Neverland? And, like, yeah, he has his uh, company that's, like, the Pan Airlines or whatever. Yeah. But, like, he forgets. And then Hook comes back and is like, I have your children now. And, yeah, I, I absolutely loved that movie. And, like, for the special effects of the 90s, especially being 1991, like they really didn't need that much, but it was still like believable. Like it wasn't like some of like the old, not to bash on Jurassic World or Jurassic Park, um, but like you could kind of tell the dinosaur was not real. Yeah, um, but like back then, you know, yeah. it was an achievement. But now, yeah, I don't know. I kind of disagree with you on that because I still look at Jurassic Park and I'm like, yeah, I, I still feel like I can go and touch that because of the oh. healthy mix of CGI and practical effects. The yeah, CGI, no. It kind of like blends with it. Like the, I know I'm going to mess up the name of the dinosaur, but what's the, it's not Dilophosaurus, it's the long neck dinosaur. Um, no, Brachiosaurus. Yes. The Brachiosaurus, when they're like, holy shit, holy, that, that, son, that crazy son of a bitch, he did it. That yeah. scene. I can still look in there. I'm like, yep, I, I can still touch that. I can still go up and pet that. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I'm not trying to be like super negative against Jurassic World, but like, I just felt like Hook, you felt like it was more like, yeah, you could touch the dinosaurs, but like, I don't know. I feel like you could actually be in the world. Yeah, you could hook climb on the boat. Just... You can go through the forest. And yeah, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. There was a whole bunch of detail and effort put into that movie. Uh, fun fact, I only have seen that movie once. And that was when I was so young, so young. So I don't have as much experience with that movie. I will say that movie has the most misleading title, one of the most misleading <laughs> titles of all time. Because when I was when I first popped in that 
VHS for a church youth group. I was going to say, oh, Robin William plays Hook and he's going to, it's going to be an origin of Hook. And no, it just completely flips on my head, flips it on his head. Yep. I guess that's why I never went back to it because I felt kind of betrayed by the title. But then again, I was going by the age old uh, saying, don't judge a book by its cover, which is absolutely what I did quite literally for that movie. So I am going, is it on Disney Plus? I think. I think it like just came on Disney Plus. Yeah, I'm going to have to rewatch that because I know that I know a whole bunch of people that say like that movie is like for practical effects. And I know that Steven Spielberg loves that movie because. And I also love that Hook is played by Dustin Hoffman, who I will always say is Mr. Megorium from Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. Yeah, it's so weird looking at those two movies. I'm like, wow, he played those two roles. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. But so now that we have both said what our favorite thing from the 90s is, um, what makes the TV shows or movies or, you know, pop culture of the 90s so iconic that we still love it today? Um, uh, it is a it was a different style like when Tales from the Crypt came out it was like right when HBO was just releasing so it was groundbreaking for that time it was adult television there was blood there was gore there was sex there was anything you could ever imagine on there on HBO and um, Tales from the Crypt really really pushed those boundaries um, there's another episode in Tales from the Crypt called the Ventriloquist Dummy and I, I will spoil this episode just because of um, since we're talking about groundbreaking technology, there is this scene, there's this puppeteer named Don, uh, played by Don Rickles. And the whole twist is like the puppet's like alive, but in a, like a different way. So on his hand where he puts the puppet is mm-hmm. his Siamese um, attached brother. And like, instead of his hand, it's like this little baby face with these little creepy arms. And like he puppets the puppet on the inside and it's how they live and get their money and Oh, it's such a it's such a nasty, grotesque episode, but I I absolutely love it. But um, just like you wouldn't see that on normal public television, especially like what happens to like the Siamese twin. Oh, oh, it gets shoved through the meat grinder. You see the body get chopped up and and oh, wow. I love studying that episode just because of the practical effects that they use and that they used real meat to simulate the grinding of the Siamese twin. It's absolutely insane, but it's a, it was a different time back then. I think the aesthetic, um, the CRT TV fuzz on some of the movies, you know, um, it's it's nostalgic for a lot of us because a lot of us grew up with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, a thing from the 90s that I grew up with was definitely Men in Black because I started watching Tales from the Crypt uh, maybe about six to seven years ago, but it still remains to me because of how much of an impact it had on me but but like men in black where i watched that at like maybe eight or nine years old thanks to my dad um yeah that it i have so much nostalgia for those movies and um i think it really is just about nostalgia and looking through a world with through rose-tinted glasses you know yeah i think too that like so you said it um, your comment about like Men in Black might actually be your favorite because you know 
um, you didn't start watching Tales of the Crypt until recently. Mm-hmm. The show Zaboomafu, it was just crept in. It is um, 1999. Mm-hmm. And I remember absolutely loving that show um, with the puppet lemur with the wild crap brothers. Um, I still follow them on TikTok because they're awesome. And but I think the other part too is leading into why I think that the 90s um, is still very relevant. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the topics, like we sit there and go, oh yeah, like Hocus Pocus. Why does everybody still love the Sanderson sisters? Well, right. it's because they didn't like kids and, you know, we're trying to stay pretty and young and, um, you know, Salem witch trials. And um, then you've also got like the relevancy of like, or the relatability of a lot of the characters too. Mm-hmm. Um, like Will Smith reacting when he finds out aliens exist and there's this whole secret government agency that deals with aliens and you know his reaction to it is just what any normal person would react to but it's also comical and Mm -hmm. um, so I I definitely think that there's relatability as well as relevancy that also helps things from the 90s stay popular. Right. And also comment that a uh, comment on that. Uh, two things just popped into my mind where my brain went like, you thought it was men in black, you idiot. No. Um, I grew up on watching a lot of sitcoms as a kid, and two of those sitcoms are Frasier and um Friends, both from the 90s and both fantastic shows. Um, I do have a story with Frasier. Yeah. Um so my mom a beautiful, inspiring woman died of pancreatic cancer just a couple of years ago. And most of the TV shows that we watched came from her. She she loved sitcoms and comedies. And Friends and Frasier were definitely up there with the two. Um, while my mom was doing treatment, we would watch Friends and Frasier <laughs> and Cheers and all these great TV shows that came out in the 90s. And Frasier specifically and Friends too, because Frasier, um, it really showed how intelligent humor could be on television. So there's, uh, Frasier is all about two brothers taking care of their dad um, after he's shot in the hip because he's a police officer and they have to take care of him now because he can't really take care of himself. And Frasier is a spinoff of the 80s TV show Cheers. And it follows Frasier Crane and his brother Niles on their misadventures, misadventures through uh, the city of Seattle. And there's this one episode, this one episode that stuck out in my mind where their dad, Martin Crane, he has to go get their dog, Eddie. He has to go get neutered because he accidentally got a puppy pregnant in the, in the park. So they go through all these different ways of trying to get Eddie into the car. Uh, because Niles and Frazier both hate dogs and they don't want to actually touch them because they think dogs are disgusting and they're like those hoity-toity rich people who think they're better than anyone. So in order to coax the dog into getting into the car, they start to speak French to it because the dog, they think the dog is too dumb to understand what they're talking about. And the whole conversation is in French and there's no subtitles or anything. And they do body motions to indicate to the audience like what they're talking about. So when they're talking about um, the actual surgery, they say, lay snip, snip, and they do a scissor motion 
and that ends up setting off the dog. So it's just like that whole, that humor can be intelligent, but it can also still be funny to the audience if you know how to do it right. And don't treat the audience like they're idiots. Um, and then there's Friends. Um, Friends is very impactful for our family. Um, and there's this one episode that me and my brother and mom watch all the time. It's called the it's called the one with the chicken and the duck. And it's when Joey and Chandler move into the apartment with each other and uh, they adopt a, a chicken from a commercial that they see that um, they're going to end up putting them all down for food. And after Joey sees that commercial, he's like, I can't let that poor chick die. And Chandler encourages encourages him to return the chick. He goes to return the chick, and he comes back with a duck. Yep. And that episode, um, me and my brother were very attached to animals, even though we have horrible allergies. So I guess like seeing animals on screen was kind of a way for us to cope with that. And you know, we um, one of our favorite animals are ducks, and you know, they, they just like such silly little animals and seeing it, the duck waddle around in the future episodes, like they're a part of the crew and flap their wings and honk when the actors or actresses are actually talking to the duck. It's just so charming yeah. and lighthearted. And, you know, it was, um, it was something that our entire family would gather every night just to watch a couple episodes, whether we had a bad day at school or at work or weekends we were just feeling lazy didn't want to do anything we'd sit down on the couch order some takeout and watch friends frazier or any of those shows my last roommate and i um so you know at meyer or joanne's you can get like the not quite real but like kind of real looking animals in like the home decor section yeah and i got a duck one time um he was an easter duck and he was actually yellow still Mm -hmm. um we named him finley but then we got i got a chick that was dressed in like winter coats Mm -hmm. but it was like more like a bird chick than a chicken chick but it was we named it joey and then we joked around that we were um chandler and joey from friends because we had a chick and a duck chick and a duck yeah but yeah Yeah. that episode was such a big impact on me. My other favorite episode, and it's more the bloopers than the mm-hmm. actual episode, is when they're trying to move the couch into, pivot, pivot, yeah, pivot. <laughs> into Ross's apartment. And he's just shouting pivot. And like the bloopers, they all just start shouting pivot in different ways. And I remember when Nike... came out with like the I think it was the Colin Kaepernick um Mm -hmm. ad that was that just do it someone put David Schwimmer's face Mm -hmm. um on it and then said pivot just pivot oh that's fantastic I love that I was like that is the best meme and like use of an ad Mm -hmm. because it still had the Nike swoosh but yeah that's fantastic So we are now at our part of the, well, I will say anything else you want to add before we get to recommendations for our audience? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm good. All right. Then do you have any recommendations, whether it is books, movies, music, TV shows, um, another podcast, like anything geeky related? 
or even uh, not related. But uh, actually, I do have several. Um, yeah. One for anybody who's listening to music, I highly suggest just look up on YouTube the set list for Iron Maiden and what they're playing at their concert right now before they start their next tour because um, they're fantastic band. Uh, I absolutely love them. And it, they're not more of like heavy metal rock and the devil, but there's like a story behind each song. And like you look up the lyrics and you study them and you get to know the song. And it's, it's more of like listening to um, a musical almost. Um, that's one thing I would recommend. The other, uh, other two things I would recommend would be to watch Werewolf by Night on Disney Plus. Well worth your time. It is in black and white. If you can look past the black and white, um, it's a it's a very very fun campy and surprisingly gory time. I'm surprised they put that on Disney Plus. Uh, they cut me off a couple of times, and um, I would also recommend watching the new Hellraiser on Hulu because it is surprisingly really good. It's probably the best Hellraiser movie since Hellraiser three. Fair warning. It is a very graphic and gory movie, and any people who have any um, un un anything uncomfortable having to deal with sex or anything of that nature should probably stay far away from that movie. But hey, if you love a fun, gory horror movie, then it's perfect for the Halloween season. Nice. Um, well, my recommendations are... Um... So I will always recommend that you watch the FBI's on CBS, either FBI Regular, FBI Most Wanted, or FBI International. They're all phenomenal. They do have crossovers. Um, if you're a fan of the Chicago series, so Chicago Fire, PD, or Med, um, they have had a crossover episode with them. And then because they've had a crossover with the Chicago series, they also technically could have a crossover with Law and Order, um, besides mm -hmm. the fact that they're all Dick Wolf shows. Um, but so I'm anxiously awaiting them to do a crossover with SVU. Um, I will also always suggest the NCISs. So I will admit that I have not watched NCIS LA in a while because I got behind and then never caught up. Um, but regular NCIS, even though if you loved Leroy Jethro Gibbs, he is no longer there, but I love Alden Parker so much. Um, and just like the whole team dynamic is different too, because they have different people. Um, Sean Murray and Palmer, I don't know why I said the actor's name and then a different character. Uh, McGee, Palmer and Ducky are all still there. Um, Ducky comes in a little bit every so often. Um, and then NCIS Hawaii is fantastic. I am waiting for more news to share with y'all about NCIS Sydney, um, the international NCIS. So I'm waiting for CBS to come up with that one. I'm waiting as anxiously and like bouncing excited as any other NCIS fan. Um, but my one that I just watched and I, and I need to go back and actually fully rewatch it um, is The Greatest Beer Run Ever, mm -hmm. I think is the, what the last word is, with Zac Efron and Russell Crowe. Um, and there's some other actors in it, too, that are big and popular. Um, 
I will say my one thing with it is more on Zac Efron's acting, which like I love Zac Efron, but he um, he used an accent to imitate like a New Yorker accent. <laughs> I thought it was Boston at first, but it was more New Yorker. But then he would lose it every so often, like with certain oh. phrases and stuff. And I was like, dude, we're gonna do an accent. Make sure you got it. Um, but I think it really highlights a the Vietnam War and like how awful it actually was for everyone involved. Um, but also like it shows someone who is this carefree person doesn't actually pay attention to what's going on around the world. Um, actually like realizing that there is shit happening and mm -hmm. like you need to pay attention and make the world a better place in whatever way you can. And it is a true story as well. Um, mm -hmm. And so they give a side-by-side -side of one of the pictures of Chicky Donahue um, along with um, then his friends that went over in the Vietnam War um, while came back. And so, yeah, it's a really good movie. Um, even though I didn't watch it all the way through the first time, I was just kind of skimming some to some parts. I loved it. Like I literally was started just going, okay, we're not fast forwarding. We're not skipping anything else. We're just watching through. Um, but yeah, so those are my recommendations. Mm -hmm. uh, before yeah. I do have one more recommendation. Um, watch House of Dragon. Uh, it just wrapped up yesterday and you can binge all the episodes. I wouldn't say you have to watch Game of Thrones before because it's mostly its own independent story. But if you feel the need to go ahead, but I highly recommend it and I would love for the series to keep going so we could really just support the series. I'd really appreciate it. Yeah. I've heard a lot of great things about House of Dragon. Um, so I'm not a Game of Thrones person, but like I I understand like how enormous it is and how good it is too. Mm -hmm. So before we sign off, uh, if you would like to reach out to us at any time. Uh, you can always comment on our YouTube videos here. Um, you can contact us on Twitter or Facebook. Um, just type in Raving Geeks. And then you can also follow us on TikTok at Raving Geeks. Um, I haven't posted for a bit. I was like trying to figure out what to post. It's hard sometimes. But yeah, if you guys have any ideas for any future episode topics or um, a question of the week um or even if you have like any response to what we were talking about in our episodes we would love to hear from you so we have been carter mm -hmm. would you like to so we usually all sign off and say our own names mm -hmm. at the end so uh if i, I may uh yeah. hope i would like to give a special shout out to uh two people specifically my dad and my brother, yeah. uh, they're very two very important people in my life, and they really encouraged me to do this. And I don't think I would have if without their help and their appreciation and encouragement for me. And I just like to say to them who they will be listening, thank you guys so much. And I love you both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I've been Hope Goodrell along with my co-host. My um, I'm Carter Sally. Yeah. And uh, we will see you next time on the next episode of Raving Geeks. I hope you all have a great weekend and everyone stay geeky.